0: Welcome to back to the futures the official podcast of the futures league presented by Change Up. i'm owen shadrick a lot of big storylines in the futures league this week starting with the fact that this past weekend was adam keenan weekend we always love honoring his legacy every year and his impact on the league it was a great weekend for the futures league we were recording this here on saturday morning a little standings update for you the vermont lake monsters continue to roll they have won 11 games in a row Stand at 11 and three after an 0 and three start. Westfield, though, is one game behind at 10 and four. Worcester at seven and six, and Pittsfield and Brockton at six and eight and five and seven, respectfully. They are tied for fourth place and the final playoff spot in the league at the moment. Other big storylines in the Futures League this week. It was a fun week in the league for sure. Tuesday, Worcester kicked it off. You choose the rules. It was a lot of fun watching all that go down. And then Wednesday, we had a lot of fun exhibition games for Education Day. Brockton and Nashua, a lot going on in Westfield and Worcester as well. And of course, the biggest storyline of the day came in Vermont when Margot Dulette became the first female manager in Futures League history. And she is one of the two podcast guests today. Her and Kevin Donati, current manager of the Pittsfield Suns, joined me. Talked a lot about Wakona Park and the Suns and what the franchise means to Pittsfield. Also got a bit into their backgrounds and get a surprise appearance from one Suns player. You don't want to miss this interview. It's going to be a lot of fun. Folks, we hope you enjoyed Adam Keenan weekend and our education days last week. So much more content and fun to come in the coming weeks here. It is almost mid-June, which seems crazy. Futures League Baseball is underway. It's great. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in, watching, and listening. Margot Dulette, Kevin Donati. Let's get it. We are honored to be joined by two guests here on episode three of season five, Back to the Futures. One is the manager of the Pittsfield Suns, and he may be in that role, but he's not new to the league as he was a member of the Suns in 2017. The other is a true Futures League veteran, having been with the Suns since 2018, is currently the director of operations and bullpen coach and just became the first female manager in league history. It's Kevin Donati and Margot Dulette. They are our guests today. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. How are we doing?
1: Pretty good. Thank you so much for having us. This is really exciting.
0: Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. And we got to start with that big storyline this week. Margo, you just became the first female manager in Futures League history. What was that like and how was that experience overall?
1: Just words can't even begin to describe it. I mean, just a dream come true for me. And, you know, it, it didn't really hit me that it was a historic moment at all. I think mostly it just, you know, it was nice to be out there on the field with the guys and, you know, being able to go to a game. And hey, I'm just a huge baseball fan. And and I think the game is a really incredible thing, no matter where you're watching it from. And, you know, I'm really honored that I got to be able to watch it from the dugout and and participate in the way that I did. And, you know, it, it was, it was a very interesting experience and I'm extremely grateful that I got that opportunity.
0: Yeah, and baseball has had a trend of females assuming leadership positions lately with uh, Kim Ning as the first Marlins GM and Alyssa Nakeen as the first female first base coach. What does it mean to be among those names as kind of these females who are assuming positions of power in baseball?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it it feels pretty incredible. I I was happy in Vermont that they at least acknowledged that it was a historic moment. Um, You know, obviously coming off the mound, I just made a mound visit and I heard my name over the PA and I heard them talking about it. And I just look up in the crowd and everybody's cheering. And I thought, you know, wow, okay, this is incredible. And I I tip my hat to the crowd and they just started going nuts. And, you know, I think that was the moment that it finally hit me like, Hey, history's happening here. It's not just any old game. Um but yeah, I mean it really just it didn't feel like a big moment up until then and and I'm really honored that I can be put among those names. Um you know, I I really I really didn't want to make that big of a deal about it cuz it really just felt like any old game to me. Um but yeah, I'm just I'm really grateful that I got that opportunity and I'm also grateful to the players that came up to Vermont with me. We had a a pretty small staff that day and I'm just grateful for the guys they pulled together and they were throwing BP for each other and you know obviously helping me out with with when to make mound visits and small decisions like that like that so i'm I'm really grateful that they they were able to help out a little bit. And, you know, I them after the game, I said, you know, Hey, thanks for being patient with me and helping me learn on the job and, you know, being a part of this.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And shout out to the guys for helping you out. But yeah, I think you figured out pretty quickly that crowd acknowledgement is a big, that's a big thing in the future So you do that and you're getting a big roar that... <laughs> And Kevin, over to you. Obviously, you are also new to the managing circles with the Suns, who are such a historic franchise and heading into their 10th season. What does it mean to now manage for the team like Pittsfield, somewhere where you've played before, somewhere where, you know, we'll talk about your stats in a minute, but somewhere as historic as Pittsfield?
2: Yeah, it's cool. Um, It's also a learning experience every day, kind of learning something new. and you know the guys know that they're they're learning every day i'm learning every day we're just having a good time right now so it's a lot of fun and uh looking forward to the rest of the season
0: yeah certainly the grind of summer is underway and both of you can answer this in terms of on the field you guys are six and eight tied for that fourth playoff spot with brockton how have you felt about the start so far
3: um
2: we were super thin the first week like we had two pitchers in the lineup for the first seven games and like it kind of is what it is. And then um, all of a sudden the cavalry kind of came in and like we just flicked the switch and we're ready to go now, We're ready to compete with guys. And um, boys are looking good and they're feeling good. So that's that's what matters, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll just share a little tidbit from the end of the game that I coached up in Vermont. We actually had four new players that showed up just that day and they didn't know any of their teammates' names. Um, they did a great job of, of pulling together and working as a team, but you know, obviously we lost the game 10, nothing, and we won the home run derby 2 nothing, which, you know, <laughs> was, was pretty special, but basically as soon as the derby was over, I, I pulled everybody together in the dugout and I said to them, pretty much, you know, to the new guys here, this is what it means to play for the Pittsfield Suns. you know, this is why they call us gritty pity. Because we may lose 10-0, but we come right back in that derby and we win it. You know, we do not let anybody defeat us.
0: Gritty pity. I've never heard that, but I absolutely <laughs> That's electric. And so, Kevin, I guess this is more geared toward you. but And, Margaret, you can answer this too, I guess, from the game. So, you guys obviously have talked about it, and we've seen it. The lack of players that you guys had at the start. Isaiah Mestre was in DH in a couple of those games week one. What kind of adjustments do you have to make as a manager I guess for both of you, when you, when Margo, you managed on Wednesday and Kevin, what seemed like the first week of hell for you. What adjustments do you have to make when you, you know, you have so many guys that are still waiting to come on board?
2: Yeah. I mean, like that first week, like there just wasn't much to work with, honestly. Like it was just like the guys that are here were playing boys <laughs> boys. Um, and it was that grind time here. We didn't have that Monday off. So like it was like 11 days straight. And it was like, getting after it. And then uh nah, since the guys who came in, like it's cool. You get to see kind of what everyone's about. Um definitely learned a lot from the guys that were here early, like what they're all about. Every day they're just like they knew they were playing, they're getting in there grinding. Um so definitely like right now we're trying to learn what the new guys got and what they're all about and what we can do uh moving forward with them.
1: Yeah. I mean it just requires a lot of creativity. You know, we the game that I was coaching, we didn't even have a bullpen catcher. So I had to ask our DH to catch in the bullpen. Um, So it just, it requires a lot of flexibility on the part of the players. And, you know, I I told them that I was just so grateful that they were able to be team players and and step up. And, you know, we had one of our relief pitchers coaching first base and, you know, yeah. I mean, like Kevin said, you, you learn a lot from them. I mean, you know, every year I'm, I always feel very humbled by, the, you know, I've seen four sons' teams now and, and every year they always inspire me to be a better person and to work harder and to be open to doing more jobs. Um, you know, obviously my job also requires doing a lot of different things. But, you know, it's very inspiring to see the guys pull together and say, you know, hey, we don't have anybody to throw BP, I'll do it. You know, you take the next round. And, and that's just great to see that.
0: Yeah, it is great to see when the team certainly comes together. And Kevin, specifically for you, you got your first career win, second game of the season at a Friday night at Wakona, Isaiah Mestre on the mound felt like a storybook first win. How did it feel to get win number one in front of the home crowd?
2: It was awesome. Um, funny story on that too. The kid that hit the walk-off is my cousin, and um so it was pretty cool. Like he uh their team got he played for umbc they got bounced from the tournament and he was in it was in maine so the kid that day drove like seven hours of the game and then uh hit the walk off which is pretty cool and it felt good it felt good to get that first one
0: yeah you're always nervous about when that first one is going to come so it was good to get it out of the way it's game two <laughs> game yeah two, day two
2: got one we got one
0: <laughs> it was good and Kevin, this one also specific to you. What was your recruitment process like for getting this son's job? How did that how did that come about?
2: Um, it was interesting. Like I got a text from Kristen, who used to be the son or the son's GM, just saying that like spots open kind of thing. And like I just texted Sander and was just like kind of showing him that I'm interested in it. And it it worked out pretty smooth from there. Like it happened pretty quick. Um Yeah, it was a natural process. I, I think it was a good fit.
0: Yeah. And then this one for both of you, Kevin, obviously your first taste of managerial experience, Margo, another season of Futures League ball in Pittsfield. How are you both feeling with the season finally here and the summer finally underway? You want to take it, Margo?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm always surprised the summer just feels like it flies by. Um, Yeah. I can remember back in December when Sandra told me he was coming back and I was coming back and, looking towards may may just felt like it was years away um but it's just it's so nice to be able to have a team here and and to get the season rolling and feel like things are underway and still feels like there's just a lot of opportunity here and i'm excited to see where the season goes
2: yeah we were kind of like counting down the days ready to get going and then once you get going i mean now everyone's kind of everyone's in a routine right now and it's uh it's going well.
0: Yeah, and obviously this is another season for both of you. Kevin, you played for the league in 2017, and Margo, you've been here since 2018. What are the biggest changes that you have both seen from within the Suns and within the league? Um,
2: league-wide, like, I mean, the stadiums are awesome. You know, like, it, it's a pretty cool experience everywhere you go. Um, I remember when I was in the league, it was like Wachusett, and uh, this team, was it from New Hampshire? Uh, who was it?
1: I think it was Seacoast, wasn't
2: it? Seacoast, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those two teams were in it. Um, and you know, you, you take those out and like add in the, uh, the fillers and like, it's a great addition to the league, like great atmosphere. Um, and yeah, the Suns, I mean, it still feels like how it, how it always has, like it's, it's a fun experience uh everyone is super close with each other loose it's a good time
1: yeah i guess it's tough for me to answer that because my my perspective has changed so much since i started out in this league i mean 2018 when i started out as an intern i was only 16 and you know i was like i didn't have i didn't even have my driver's license yet when i started working for the suns (laughs) um so there's just a lot more that i've been able to see both like from an operational standpoint but also just seeing you know the little details of what goes on on the field that you can't really appreciate as a fan that much um which has really been interesting but i definitely feel like the few games that i've watched over the years it seems like it's become a lot more of an interesting experience for the fans being able to see a lot more of the game and being able to be engaged a lot more with what's going on in the field.
0: Yeah, definitely. Times have certainly changed in the Futures League for the better, as I always say, the Futures League is always always on the rise. That's what we like to see. And Margo, you're now the director of operations for the Suns. What does that job entail and what's your day-to-day like?
1: <laughs> oh boy, that's a million-dollar question. Um that's yeah, it's a lot of a lot of different little things. I mean. You know when i was an intern i my first week i made the mistake of volunteering to help out with the laundry and uh since then that's that's been all me i I basically work as the team's equipment manager um But yeah, it's just everything. I mean, I'm in ticket sales and sponsorship fulfillment. And, you know, I always like to joke. Well, I used to joke that I'd done every single job in the ballpark except coaching. And now I can't say that anymore. (laughs) So I guess I've I've done every job in the ballpark except playing now. So (laughs)
0: And I was going to ask about that 2018 internship, but I'm guessing that the kind of same day-to-day happened around, around then too. With you, yeah, just doing just,
1: you know, I mean, it was great. Definitely being able to experience all those different aspects of the game from selling tickets to, I even used to do all the little sound effects and the walk-up songs and whatnot. So it's been really interesting to learn about all those different parts of making a franchise work and making a game happen. and how they all just have to come together to create a game every night.
0: Yeah, it's certainly cool to watch kind of all the gears in motion,
3: whether you're, you know, on the field like Kevin or behind the scenes like Margo. Hold on. We'll get right back to back to the futures. But first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in new England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming.
0: And transitioning to your roster a little bit, one thing that you notice that that pops out when you look at it is the amount of players from Pittsfield. For both of you, what's it like to have that local talent? And was that a priority going to the offseason or is that just how it shook out? Um,
2: so, like, obviously, Getty was coaching. and He, like, put together a bulk of the roster. And, I mean, I only had, like, a couple of weeks. And, like, there's talented guys around here. So, why not why not pick them up and see what they got, you know? It's a, you know, it's the uh, transition for those guys living at home and stuff and it's a dream for those guys too. So uh, I wanted to give those guys a shot and see what they could do in this league.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely it's nice having a lot of local players and being able to see their families come to the game and and having a lot of those familiar faces. Um, you know, like Ryan LaPierre, who's one of our starting pitchers, I see his grandmother and his dad at every single game. And it's just sweet to to feel like you have that sort of small-town connection of, you know, recognizing faces and, and feeling like we're just, you know, we're part of Pittsfield, really.
2: Speaking of local guys.
1: <laughs> there he is. There he is. <laughs> hey, Zeke.
2: How's it going on there? What's up, Zeke? You not it, or what? That a
0: girl, look at that smile. <laughs> the funny That's thing good. is, I'm I'm not even kidding when I say my next question was about him. Death. Yeah,
2: you want to ask him?
0: Uh, well, I was I was gonna ask you about him. So if you want to put him in the frame, you can. Yes.
2: Yeah. This What's goes for
0: on? this goes for both of you. What are your thoughts on Isaiah Mestre, 2021 opening day starter, first team All League last year? What are your expectations from uh from Zeke?
2: My expectations are very high for Zeke. I know, I know he's going to give us a ball game. I know every time he's out there, we're going to be in it. So uh, it's it's fun rolling him out there. What are your expectations, Eve? Hopefully, I can just continue throwing strikes and maybe make the All-Star game again and maybe be first
0: team. It's good to hear. Those are some good <laughs> expectations right there. And this, goes, this can go for both of you, too. How do you plan on using him and other veterans to help guide the team this year?
2: It's been huge. Like, we've already, like, been picking their brain. Like, just, like, having a routine, sticking to a routine, mentally, like, helping guys out. You know, like, say if they have a tough outing, like, talking to them, bouncing back and stuff. They're great leaders. Um, yeah, how have, how have you been helping dudes? Just trying to keep them loose. You know, Pittsfield ain't really the place to be, so making them feel like it's home and go out there and win some ball
0: games. That's a better that's a veteran answer right there. That's
1: yeah, I funny. think I think a lot of it is important, you know, having a lot of players coming back from last year, obviously making the championship last year. I think they bring a really important energy into the clubhouse of, you know, we we had a very close knit team last year and and a lot they just had so much energy and, and excitement about making the playoffs and just trying to bring that back and you know keeping everybody optimistic and and excited i think
0: that's very important yeah that veteran leadership is super important and what a championship that was last year I, i'll ask about that for a minute what was it like to be back in the futures league championship you know in pittsfield such an exciting series all the way through i guess zeke i can ask you if you want but maybe what was it nice again sorry
2: i was oh, you're good.
0: <laughs> asking about the the championship last year and what it meant to be back uh, back in the futures league final
2: Oh, I mean, it would be unreal. Hopefully we can get it done. And that game was one of the coolest games I've been in. So with that crowd and the atmosphere, it was definitely a game to remember. So hopefully we can get it done this year. They have cool stories about last year's championship.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just incredible. You know, from the front office standpoint, we had about a month to open up the ballpark and just I mean what we had to work with the fact that we were even able to build a winning team last year was just incredible and I mean the fact that we made the championship it was just it was such an incredible story of you know just like rags to riches of of what we did last year and you know hopefully we'll be able to repeat but yeah I mean it was just just an absolute miracle you know being able to to do that and and go as far as we did with what we had
0: and speaking of what you had margo i gotta ask you about this kevin you may not know but last year during the championship all of a sudden a chief wakona statue appeared in the dugout of the suns as their their rally cry do you did you have anything to do with that and what, what was it like having uh the chief at every game just patrolling the field
1: so this is a really funny story so apparently that chief wakona statue used to be in the grandstands, like right behind home plate. Um, And our old PA guy, I guess, stole it at one point and it had been living in his backyard for years. And then he decided we needed something to rally the players after we lost that first game to Brockton. Um, So he just shows up at nine o'clock in the morning, pulls his car right up to the back of the locker room and unloads the statue. We're all looking at him like, you know, what are you doing? (laughs) And he said, he goes, oh, was, you know, something to rally the players around. And at first we were all kind of like, huh, okay, this is weird. Um, and the players show up and they were all kind of confused, but they just took to it immediately. And they were putting a jersey on Chief and he had a pair of sunglasses and a hat. And they were they were really carefully packed him in the bottom of the bus and they brought all his gear along. And it was great just, just seeing the energy that – that brought and just the excitement, and they just really rallied around him and brought him everywhere and dressed him up, and that was that was very music.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, that's incredible. Cav, is Zeke still there? Does he have a comment on the uh, on the subject, or did he he leave already? He's here. He's here. There he yeah,
2: the, uh, Chief definitely helped the boys out. I feel like in baseball, bringing something like that, anything could be legit. A uh, cowboy hat or even Chief. Something like that can always rally the boys. So he definitely got the boys going and helped us get to that championship game.
0: Yeah, that was that. It was always so funny to walk into the stadium and just see the chief being unloaded from the Pittsfield bus. And we, uh, Kevin, you mentioned him a couple minutes ago. And obviously, Margo, you worked with him for years. What is your both of your relationships like with former manager Matt Gedman?
2: Love Getty. He's the man. As a parent on the field, off the field, he's just like, He's, a, he's the man. Not can't say enough good things about him, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely miss Getty a lot. I got to see him when New Britain came here to play us at Wakona. Um you know, as an intern, I was always really into stats and analyzing all the team stats and building little lineups and making shift charts and whatnot. And you know, I I irritated Getty a lot. <laughs> bringing all this stuff up to him and saying, you know, Hey, here's this lineup that I made, or here are these shift charts that I made. What do you think? And, you know, we, we had an interesting working relationship with me bothering him and, you know, every once in a while he, he'd give me a little bit of advice. And um, yeah, I mean, I think the big thing I owe to Getty is he gave me some really good advice that I still use to this day. And, you know, helped me a lot through the playoffs and, and really helped me coach that game up in Vermont. You know, I was talking to him in the championship last year and I was like, I said to him, I'm so nervous. And he goes, says to me, you know, the difference between being nervous and being excited, it's all about the mindset. And it was, it was such a funny thing coming from him. But yeah, I really I feel like that's been the biggest piece of advice that's really helped me the past two years with this job is is just thinking that and you know remembering all the all the ways you sort of helped me
0: yeah that's awesome and obviously getting a good friend of the podcast as well here and Kevin this one specifically for you not only are you the manager but you're the all-time hitting leader in the Suns history with the 344 batting average how much will that come up during practices and games this year
2: Most well, of the guys know like
0: do they not
2: no trying to keep it on the low a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I don't know if they know, so it hasn't been brought up yet, but now it might, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, now it might.
0: yeah. You don't want Zeke in the DH spot coming for that record. That's <laughs> <all right. laughs> And both of you, I got to ask how pumped are you for another season, another full season of sun delays? Let's hear it.
2: So fired up. Can't <laughs> wait.
1: Oh boy. Well, from an operational standpoint, it it does get a little little bit dicey, but they're definitely very entertaining and you know you don't get them anywhere else. So
2: it's gotta be nice though, right? For operational well, side, maybe a couple more beers.
1: Yeah, but sometimes like when concessions is not expecting it, you get this big huge line and then it then it gets a little bit overwhelming, but you know. Also, when the game's dragging on, you got a half hour sun delay sometimes like, oh, man, you know, I wanted to get home at a reasonable time. But it's definitely one of those things that, hey, just makes Wakona Park what it is.
0: Yeah, adds to the uniqueness of Wakona and the Futures League for sure. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Bat Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Bat Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Litter League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond, and after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. And transitioning here to both of your backgrounds, Kevin, I'll start with you. You, uh, you run your own training facility, Rip City Academy, in Pittsfield. What is Rip City Academy, for those who may not know? Give, us, give the fans the pitch for, uh, for your uh, training facility there.
2: Yeah, so uh, Rip City was originally started up by my grandpa, Buddy Pellerin. Um, He had it for, I don't know the exact years. He was doing it for a while. And um, I guess I basically like grew up in a facility, like I was just always around baseball. And I always knew like whenever the playing career was done, just like wanted to get into that. Um, so after school, after I left Albany, I went down to Maryland at a training facility called Prime Performance and like really learned kind of the direction baseball's going. And um I knew there was a need in Berkshire County for it. So kind of packed up and like start up the Rift City and like use what I learned there. And uh yeah, Rip City it's a training facility, multi-sport facility. Uh, we got weight room and cages and uh guys get after it. There's not a lot to do here, so might as well get good at baseball.
0: Yeah, that's that's there you go. Yeah, might as well get good <laughs> at baseball, right? Come on down to Rift City. That's a good yeah, that's a good slogan. You should use that. <laughs> And you noted in your intro press conference that you're gonna have players using for your facility. How how often will you utilize that and what's it gonna be like or what is it like to get the guys together at your you know at your facility?
2: Yeah, it's good. It's a good uh, team atmosphere. Like guys are here today. We go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday team lift, and then uh guys are just like doing their pen work, getting their arm care in, hitting. Um, it's just a good space for these guys to kill some time and get better up get better at ball, honestly.
0: Yeah, and one other part of your resume that I found interesting was that you're an associate scout for the Padres. How did that come about, and what's it like working for a big league club?
2: Yeah, it was, um, it was basically when I started up Rip City. It was just kind of kind of through connections. So that got going right when Rip City started up, and it's been cool. because like I was on the road a lot with our travel program, and, like, I would just shoot them over guys that are good from our program or other programs, and it kind of went from there. And you know it's going to help this summer too, like seeing good talent in the futures league and just shooting names over to them. And it's fun; it's a good time.
0: Yeah. So, are you using those skills in the dugout when you're watching either your team or other teams, just trying to see some future, like see what some futures that you guys can do for the Padres? Yeah,
2: like it's just picking coaches' brains, like who's a dude on your team, like kind of picking their brain, just getting names down and like seeing what they can do, and um, you know if I. I believe that that's a good player, then I'll shoot it over the guy, and kind of goes from there, you know,
0: yeah, that's awesome, and let's head back to college for both of you, Margo. We'll start with you. How does one go from Bard College to the University of Michigan, and what was it like being at Michigan
1: oh it was it was very interesting. I went from a school of about four hundred and thirty students to about sixty five thousand so that was a that was a bit of a challenge um I knew, like, since I was probably in about eighth grade that I wanted to study statistics and major in it. Um, and I just felt like I needed to go to a little bit more of a rigorous program and a bigger school. Um, and I felt like that would offer me a little bit more opportunity. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of that was kind of curtailed by the pandemic, but it's definitely... I had a lot of fun being a stats major. Um, I wanted to work in more of the analytics side of baseball, um, but I ended up getting offered a job basically right out of school as director of ops here. And you know, it's really opened my mind quite a lot to different aspects of the game. And you know, obviously I'm headed to grad school in the fall. Um, and I'm gonna be studying sports management and business administration and I'm hoping that that's going to open my mind even more to more aspects of the game. Um, you know, definitely being able to coach has has really opened my mind even more. And, you know, I guess I'm not hundred percent certain where I want to end up in baseball, but I'm just having fun right now. And I just like to see where this journey takes me.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned it, I don't, I I read this somewhere. I don't know where it was. I think it was actually in the Futures League presser that you have a passion for the analytical side of baseball and your free time. You run lineups and simulations and make shift charts for the team. What's that like? And what kind of, what kind of led you into the analytical side of baseball?
1: Well, what led me into it is when I was about 12, I think my father made the mistake of teaching me how to read a box score. And that's probably the worst thing he's ever done because um I became obsessed with baseball <laughs> so I think what really interested me was just the fact that you know these little numbers can tell just this incredible story about a player and you know obviously there's a lot more to someone than just their stats but It was so interesting to me that, you know, you could look at things like batting average on base percentage, slugging percentage, and it could tell this story about a player. And then once I got even more interested in sabermetrics, I realized that, you know, a lot of the times some of these numbers don't tell the truth or they don't tell the complete story. You know, it's funny having Zeke here, because I remember I was an intern the first year he played for the Suns and he was one of those players where. Some of his stats looked good and some of them didn't look so good. Um, but I was always, you know, bothering Getty like, hey, this guy's, you know, a much better pitcher than he seems. Um, so it's definitely interesting, you know, being able to see sort of kind of the nitty-gritty statistics side of things, but also getting to know these guys as people and and kind of getting to see that full picture. Yeah,
0: it's awesome. And, you know, we're all baseball nerds here. Talking on this podcast, so that that makes perfect sense. And I do want to mention that you, I am a. My dad went to Michigan State, so I'm a Spartan. But I also went. I went to UMass, so I'm a Minuteman. So I'm very happy that you are. You're headed to UMass, and you know, got rid of of that Michigan tag.
1: I'm so excited! I keep. It's actually funny. Our traveling radio broadcaster is going to Eisenberg School of Management, and so is one of our interns. So it's been really exciting. to kind of talk with them and you know ask them about the program and just really looking forward to having some familiar faces on campus
0: yeah i'm an eisenberg grad myself it's a good it's a great school and you're going to do great things there for sure and kevin well uh let's talk about albany for a minute in college you were a 298 hitter what did you gain most out of your experience there
2: um french friendships and relationships like you know, that's what you take past Once you leave that point, that's what you take with you. Um, a lot of good friends there that I'll have forever. Uh, it was a great time. Really good time. Um, yeah, it was good competitive baseball, good academics. It was a good place to be.
0: And flashing all the way back. You graduated from Pittsfield high school. You were captain of the baseball team, your senior year. You were in all Berkshire County honors three times all Western mass honors two times. You're a two time, Berkshire and North MVP, a two-time Massachusetts State honoree as well. That's a lot of awards. Do you consider yourself Mr. Berkshire County? Where Where do you land on that? Uh, nah,
2: just someone that loves the game, man. <laughs> just someone that loves ball.
0: In all seriousness, though, what did it mean to play for Pittsfield High and now have the opportunity to uh, thrive in the base- Pittsfield baseball community once again with the Suns?
2: Yeah, it's awesome, Like, I mean, it's always been a dream come true, like going to Ocona Park, growing up and stuff, like – you look up to all those guys and it's, it's pretty cool. Like when you think back to it and then where we are now, it's a, it's a fun journey. Yeah.
0: And guys, this has been great. I got one final question for the both of you. It's our Zephyr final questions presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. Any of you can start, but we got, how about a message to the fans? Why should fans attend a Pittsfield Suns game this summer?
2: Beer cold, and the games are hot, baby. <laughs> 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 no, nah, well, it's, it's a good time there. It's a good time at the park. A lot of young energy there. Um, and, yeah, the place is getting rowdy with the new setup, so it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, he, he, he put it pretty well. Um, Yeah, it's just interesting as a fan to, to be part of a historic ballpark, and, you know, you look out of that field and just think about all the – you know incredible players that have played there and and the history that place has seen and you know it's something special i mean you know unfortunately the grandstand being what it is but i mean it's just really special being able to look at that field and and thinking about just the generations of generations of minor league players of sons players you know whatever who've come through there and and being able to see this team i mean They're always interested in the game. They keep it fun, and it's just nice to see the love that they bring and the energy that they play with.
2: Could I tell the fans something about the new setup? Shoot. It is the like you're not going to get a better view at any ballpark. You are right there.
1: You are literally right right on the action.
2: Yeah, it's a pretty cool experience for the fans, so like they got to check that out at some point.
0: Yeah, I mean Kevin said it perfectly. The sun and the suns are hot, the beer is cold. Get out to historic Wakona Park. You don't want to miss that experience. Margo and Kevin, thank you so, so much for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. We uh, you know, I wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. And yeah, thank you. Thank you guys again. Thank you so
1: much.
0: And this has been episode three of season five of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.